Welcome. I'm so glad you could join us. It is April 5th, 2020, and our lesson today is titled, A Look at Lust. We will be reading from Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. This is the third lesson in our series about the physical dimension of a missional life. In this lesson, we will look at Jesus' teaching on lust and discuss what it looks like to think about and treat the opposite sex in a loving way. We will explore the question, how does Jesus want his disciples to view the opposite sex? We live in an overly sexualized culture that often views sexual boundaries as outdated or naive. Social media, TV, youth culture, YouTube, and countless other sources are very effective in shaping how we understand sex and view others. Let's begin. Join with me in reading from Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Matthew chapter 5 is the first chapter of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. He begins with the Beatitudes, which establish this kind of upside-down value system where the poor, the meek, and the vulnerable are the ones who are considered blessed in God's kingdom. Jesus then goes on to remind the disciples of the letter of Jewish law, but then takes it much further by directing them to the intentions of the heart. Jesus came not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. We see that in verse 17. Those who follow Jesus are called to much more than outward purity, but to inward purity as well. Throughout his sermon, Jesus says a number of times, You have heard that it is said. In this section, Jesus expands on the meaning of the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Jesus challenges his disciples to consider the root of sin. He says that adultery is not just a physical, sexual act, but also occurs when we have lustful fantasies towards a person to whom we are not married. Jesus' standard was incredibly high for his time, and it is certainly a high standard even for us today. In verses 29 through 30, Jesus tells his listeners that it is better to cut off your eye or to cut off your hand if it is causing you to sin. Now, Jesus is not suggesting self-mutilation. However, he strives to communicate to his listeners that lust can so easily lead to the destruction of relationships. Our imaginations are a God-given gift, but when we do not submit them to Christ, they can lead to corruption. It makes me think of a story Well, it's not really a story so much as it is actual history. Uh, But it's often referred to as the St. Francis Dam disaster. William Mulhand, and I know I just butchered his name, 
was a famous civil engineer in Southern California during the 1920s. He had successfully built aqueducts under budget and ahead of schedule time and time again, bringing much-needed water to the city of Los Angeles. From 1924 through 1926, Mulhand designed and built the San San Francis St. Francis Dam, you know, I'd get it right in a second. For two years, the dam stood. During this time, a number of cracks and fissures were discovered in the dam. Mulhand ordered some of those cracks be sealed, but ultimately determined that they were not too concerning. Over the years, however, the cracks grew and new ones sprang up. Finally, on March 12, 1928, Just before midnight, the St. Francis Dam broke. In a little over an hour, the whole reservoir was emptied and 12.4 billion gallons of water surged down the San San Francisco Canyon. Homes and towns stood in the path of this torrent and were wiped out. Approximately 431 people lost their lives. You see, the disaster of the St. Francis Dam could have been avoided, but the cracks and warning signs were not taken seriously. In some ways, it is an example of what Jesus is referring to. Jesus is taking the law which is based on people's actions and saying, okay, great, I'm glad that you aren't out there committing adultery. Um, Or if we look at the passages beforehand, I'm glad you're not out there murdering. I'm glad you're not out there lying. I'm glad you're not out there um, divorcing or taking an eye for an eye. Or I'm, I'm glad... Um, that, you know, you're loving your neighbor. But then he takes it a step further, and he wants to shed light on what's going on on the inside, Uh, much like those cracks in the dam that ultimately cause destruction. What happens in our heart and in our minds are like those cracks that ultimately lead to the destruction of relationships um, as those thoughts and those feelings become actions that we take out. Um, And so in that aspect, the things that are in our hearts and our minds are the warning signs to what could happen if we don't surrender them to Christ. And so Jesus, Jesus is going to attack the root of sin in this passage. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say, do not look at a woman lustfully, for you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. It's not just our outward actions that are being addressed here, but it is what is taking place on the inside. See, Jesus doesn't want our 
outward actions to be a reflection of the kingdom, but our inward hearts and thoughts be a reflection of the world. He wants our hearts and our minds to also be a reflection of the kingdom. And this applies to all things. We are using the example of lust because it is one of the most prevalent issues in our society. We talked about earlier how it, it is put out there for us everywhere. In TV, in YouTube videos, in Instagram, um, everywhere we look, it is what sells. And we, we understand that and we know that and we don't try to hide it. And our world wants to say that, you know, there are no rules. Anything goes as long as people are consenting. And that's just, that's not what God created it to be. And it is such a great example of what really all sin is, which is this perversion of what God created to be good and humanity has taken it and perverted it to be something that is sinful and something that is broken. So, when we lust after a person, we no longer see them as someone who is worthy of dignity and respect. Instead, lustful thoughts lead to the objectification of another person. We take a person who is made in the image of God and make them an object to gratify our own selfish desires. Lust destructively changes the way we view other people, and it can also lead to some dangerous behaviors that wreck our own self-image and relationships. Now, like we said, Jesus is not saying that sexual desire and attraction is evil. In fact, it's one of the gifts that God gave humanity. God created man and woman, and he put them together in the garden. Sex is a good creation of God, but sex is like fire. If used the appropriate way, like a campfire or furnace, it brings warmth and light and life. But if unchecked, it can become a devastating forest fire. Jesus wants us to live in the way that he created us to live because it is the way that brings life and wholeness to us. But if we're not careful, we can so easily pervert the ways that God has created for us to live. And so often we do that at the expense of other people or at the expense of ourself. And we either make other people or ourselves less than what God created. And brothers and sisters, that is, that is the exact opposite of the kingdom of God. Christ goes so far in the beginning of the Beatitudes to flip the whole understanding that the world has and say the least of these are the greatest. 
what the world would consider least, they are the ones that are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Being humble, being meek, showing forgiveness and grace, the things that the world claims are weaknesses, those are the strengths of the kingdom of God. Jesus makes it clear that we cannot approach this sin with judgment towards other people or ourselves. Having guilt over sin we've done is legitimate. Listen to your conscience. But shame, which is the voice that tells us that we are worthless or dirty, that is the voice of the enemy. Jesus came to show us the radical grace that God has for us. No matter how far we've gone, the grace of God is always calling us back to God, who is always ready to embrace us and is always ready to make us totally new and whole. I want to reaffirm these three truths to you. One, adultery and lust and all the other sins that we struggle with begin in our imaginations. They begin in our hearts. Two, Jesus is calling his followers to rid ourselves of the things that cause us to sin. Three, to pursue pursue purity, we must seek the Spirit's help. We cannot do it on our own. We need the Lord's transformation power in our lives. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we recognize that we are people who are broken. We are people who have sinned. And Lord, we recognize that you have shown us grace and salvation. And Lord, we thank you for that and we cling to that. And Lord, as you are continuing this transformation work in our lives, help us to be open to it. Help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to be honest with you and to allow you to transform our lives so that our hearts and our minds are a reflection of your kingdom not just our outward actions, not just the masks that we wear around certain people, but down to our core. May we reflect you and your kingdom in everything. For it is in your name we pray. Amen. Go in God's grace and peace and know that you are loved beyond all measure.